Ashley Easter. And I'm Charlie Grantham, and you're listening to Serendipity, the podcast where we explore everyday magic all around us. And welcome to the Serendipity Podcast. Here we go again. I I think this is going to be a really important topic for a lot of people because I think it's super relatable. Both Charlie and I have experienced what we're about to talk about. And I really think that it affects particularly women. So, Charlie, do you want to introduce this topic? Yes. Today we are going to be talking about imposter syndrome. Oh. <laughs> I like, scary. yeah, it's scary. I was just telling Ashley before we started that I have imposter syndrome about talking about imposter syndrome. <laughs> that is so classic. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're going to explain what it is. Um, Ashley's going to give us um, some ways to overcome imposter syndrome. And I do think it does affect women mostly. I think that's what we're probably going to focus a lot on the podcast. I mean, it can affect men. Uh, We're not saying it can't. It can. Um, And it definitely does affect um, people of color as well. Um, But we're going to specifically talk about how it affects women because statistically, generally, women are um, affected the most by it. Right. So... I guess we'll just get into it. Um, but yeah, I don't know why I'm like actually nervous. This is my first time nervous on the podcast because it just <laughs> feels like I really do have, I guess, just even talking about it. I'm like, oh, I really feel like I have imposter syndrome right now. Yeah. But we'll start by defining it. Um, so it's basically the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. That's the Oxford languages definition. Um, And then I found a really good article um, from Forbes and I'll link it in the show notes, but it's a whole article on this uh, sponsored study about imposter syndrome. And I really liked their definition of it. So They said imposter syndrome was defined in the study as the inability to believe your success is deserved as a result of your hard work and the fact that you possess distinct skills, capabilities, and experiences. Rather, your inclination is to internalize that you got where you are by other means such as luck or being in the right place at the right time. So it's kind of just like downplaying your own self-worth, your own knowledge, your own skills, your own hard work, um, and and basically just saying that, yeah, like I got lucky or I think oh, another way that I've heard people describe it, which I really relate to, is um, they just haven't figured out yet that I'm a fraud. Like they haven't figured out that I really don't know anything about this. I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of getting by and soon enough, they'll figure it out. And um, even though you're not trying, you're not like trying to manipulate the situation, you're not trying to, um, you know, lie and say that you are, you're not, it's just this feeling. And that's something I relate to. I feel like I've experienced that a lot where I'm like, oh, they're going to find out soon that I know nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's the definition. Um, 
And like we said, it, it affects women a lot. Um, and this article is how I kind of based all my notes on, cause it's just a really good article. Um, and they do focus a lot on women in the article. So before we get into that, I just wanted to find patriarchy because that is a huge part of why it affects women um, the most. So the definition of patriarchy, if you just like Google it, it says it's a system of society or government in which the father or eldest male is the head of the family and descent is traced through the male line. Um, it also says it's a system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. And like, those are good definitions. Um, I think patriarchy can be more passive aggressive nowadays, especially in America. I mean, definitely this type of patriarchy does exist where it's like the father, eldest man's the head of the house and women are excluded from power. Like that does happen, but there's more um, passive aggressive ways it shows up. So I really liked the Forbes definition, which is a rigid dichotomy of gender roles. So that just means like, like a dichotomy is a division or contrast saying like these two things are basically like they're represented as the opposite of each other. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like how people will say, oh, well, men do this and women do this, or men are just like this and women are just like this. And just kind of like making these very strict boxes of like what a man is and what a woman is. And so I think that's a big way that patriarchy has always showed up, but especially nowadays, because it's a little easier um, because people can say like, no, 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 like I'm not sexist. No, 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 I don't believe that. But then like what they're doing and what they're saying is really portraying these very strict gender roles. Um, And like a woman can't step outside of that box into the man's box because like, generally it's where the power is had um so i feel like it's important to define those so getting into um this article so i really like this quote the person who was interviewing um it's a uh let's i don't know what it stands for but kpmg sponsored this study about um imposter syndrome in women and Um, It's really interesting. So it says our study found that 75% of executive women identified having experienced imposter syndrome at various points during their careers, and 85% believe it is commonly experienced by women across corporate America. Women can experience imposter syndrome in key moments of an existing role or at a specific milestone, such as a career change or promotion. In fact, nearly six in 10 executive women told us that promotions or transitions to new roles were the times that they most experienced imposter syndrome. Wow. So yeah, that's like pretty incredible. 75% said they've experienced it themselves at various points, not just one one time, like various points. And I've heard also, um, like, I think another good example of this, like women tend to like internalize and downplay their skills and their capabilities. And men like tend to um, over-exaggerate them. So I've heard a lot where um, when women and men apply to jobs, women will uh, like let's say there's the job description and a woman matches like 80 percent of what they're looking for the women will hesitate and sometimes they won't even apply to the job because they're like i don't 100 percent match what they need i really am not probably a good fit for this job and so they won't even apply to the job men will look at a job that they 
literally are not qualified for like they just are not qualified they do not have the <laughs> skills needed and they are like so confident and they apply to the job confidently and that is like a really good example example of a imposter syndrome i think and how and why it affects women more um because men just i mean i've um seen it on shirts and like graphics a lot you probably have too <laughs> Ashley, where it's like, I wish I had the confidence of a mediocre white man, like middle-aged white man. And that's like, because it's like, that is the studies are showing, like they have this confidence where they literally don't like match the job description, like their skills. And they're like, oh, I probably could get it. Or they'll ask for raises, even if they're just doing a pretty bad job, you know, where women are like less likely to ask um, for for raises. And then another um, quote I really liked was the, um, I guess the journalist making the article asked um, or said that I've observed that the imposter syndrome is in great part shaped by patriarchal society and cultural influences, as well as rigid gender stereotypes that dictate what feminine should look and act like. What do you believe um, contributes to women experience imposter syndrome so frequently? And the person who is like, I don't know if she was in charge of the study or like kind of like a executive in this company that sponsored it, but they said, many of our survey respondents felt women may experience imposter syndrome more than men due to differences in how boys and girls are raised in childhood. They cite how from an early age, boys are encouraged to lead, demonstrate self-confidence and exhibit less emotion than girls. Women also cited family expectations, gender roles, societal stereotypes and cultural differences as root causes of self-doubt. The respondents further identified self-imposed pressures and self-criticism as key contributing factors of doubt and uncertainty. So, oh my gosh, there's like so much to impact there, I feel like. So with the self-imposed pressures and the self-criticisms, it does, it goes back to the way girls are raised. So I think, and I mean, I think there are studies that I've read on this where girls are expected to be more mature, and more responsible at an earlier age than boys are. So like an example that I've seen in my life is when a girl has a younger sibling, she becomes like a second parent basically to the sibling. Um, But you don't really see that applied to boys. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's generally it's the girls are like, oh, she's like such a little mom. Like, you know, like you see um, that a lot. And also with the toys that are geared towards girls are more often like kitchen sets and baby dolls and like just things that involve responsibilities. And then a lot of times boys have toys like dinosaurs, like we talked about my last episode (laughs) or our last episode, like I just love dinosaurs because it's just a cool, you know, a toy. And so there's different toys. And then also um, there's the saying, boys will be boys, which I'm sure like we both want to like gag at that saying, but it's an expression or phrase to excuse poor behavior. And in some cases, harmful and violent behavior. Um, That's what's used. Like, well, it's just boys being boys. There's not a saying where it's like, well, girls will be girls. It's just boys will be boys where they're excused from being mature, being responsible, being held accountable for their actions. Um, And so there's not a widely accepted saying like that and also girls are not just told whether directly told or told through past progressive ways or just actions that they need to be responsible mature for themselves for a younger sibling maybe they're told that they need to be responsible for those boys 
harmful behavior. So that's like one of the most popular questions when a woman is sexually assaulted is, oh, what were you wearing? Because right. immediately they're putting the responsibility onto the woman because that is how our, our society has built the system to where the woman takes on all the responsibility. And so I think a lot of that self-pressure um, self-imposed pressure comes from the pressure that girls receive growing up pressure to be responsible for themselves responsible for their families their younger siblings and then also for the harmful and violent behavior of boys when really the and the fact is is that the only person responsible for the the action or the behavior is the person who did the action or behavior it is in no way but Oh, I could go on a little tangent about that, but, um, That's all super, I, I think you're really getting to the root of this issue. Yeah. Yeah. These are all super yeah. important points. And when they mentioned self-criticism, I, I've seen it in my own family. I've seen it in life where girls are more criticized, girls and women are more criticized, more likely to be criticized more frequently and just in a harsher manner than boys. So like, I don't know if you've seen, but like I, I've seen in a lot of families and I'm not saying this was the case for me, like where um, I don't, I don't feel like my parents favored it and my brother over me, but um, in maybe more extended family, I've seen where it's like, if there's siblings and there's boys and girls the boys are like almost worshipped like as if they could do no wrong even though they have done more wrong you know then girls they're just like these angels sent from heaven basically where the girls will just be criticized for just the dumbest things mm -hmm. and just very harshly and so um you know my hope is that that's changing i think that is something that used to happen a lot more i do know it still does happen but that's another thing where they're kind of they've internalized that criticism that they've gotten from their families um and from their parents and now they um have a lot of self-criticism now that they're older and even yeah. within their corporate jobs and i think that's really patriarchy has done its job when nobody has to tell you anymore that you're inferior that you tell yourself that like right. I think that's really when patriarchy has kind of quote unquote won is when nobody else has to police it like your own body and right. polices yourself. Yeah, exactly. And it's not. And sometimes I think people aren't even aware that it's the patriarchy because it's just like, oh, like it's just like my anxiety. Or, but it's all based on patriarchy. It's all based on gender roles because um, it's that's how it's developed. Um, and that's why women are are you know, affected in the majority. So that's just, that article is great. I'm going to link it. Um, there's a lot more in it. I just wanted to pull out some key points, but I wanted to share some personal examples too, before you get into yeah. um, ways that we can overcome it, because I feel like stories are really powerful because it helps you feel like, A, like you're not alone. Like if I can hear someone else share something, it's like, wow, like I'm, I'm not alone. And being alone is such a um, it's just feeling like you're the only one going through something. It's just really difficult. And so if you can feel like there's at least one other person who feels the same way, I think it's pretty pow powerful, but I have a lot of imposter stories <laughs> to be honest, but I'm going to tell a big one. Um, but so I have a bachelor's in sociology. Um, I really enjoy getting my degree and I really love the topic and I honestly I did well in it um it kind of was like I found where I belonged and I kind of just fit 
into that that area of study and i ended up receiving like basically every award that a student could receive within that department like wow basically every award i completed a thesis which funny enough was on the topic of gender specifically masculinity um and then i also um graduated magna cum laude which means like i don't know i don't even know what it means like i guess i had like a g a certain gpa which i think was like between 3.8 and 3.9 or 3.7 3.9 i'm not sure so i had all these things after i graduated i had this overwhelming sense of self-doubt like mm-hmm. i specifically really thought i wasn't smart I, and it, not just not smart, like I specifically thought I was dumb. Like I was just like, I am, I can't do anything. Like I'm so dumb. Like that's, and I'm saying it, it sounds, it sounds dumb to say it, but that's how I felt. And I was really anxious and nervous as I was working just um, to put Nate through school. But as soon as he got out of school, the plan was that I would go back to school. And I was so anxious about that because I was like, I'm not even going to get in. How would I get into any type of graduate program? I'm, I really am not smart. I'm really, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I don't know how I'm going to get into the school, let alone like actually go through a program. And when I would tell these things to Nate, you know, just express my feelings. Um, he would bring up like everything I just mentioned, like those awards, my grades and things like that saying like, no, 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 like, look at all this proof. And I would be like, I mean, technically I got those awards, I guess. And technically, like, I, it's not that I wasn't acknowledging it. Like I was acknowledged that, yeah, those things happened, but it was like on a technicality. Like I technically got these good grades, but I honestly really felt and this is exactly how I felt is that I fooled my professors Mm. and I tricked them into thinking that I was smart and I knew what I was doing when in fact I had no idea what I was doing and I I'm not smart that's how I felt and it's not like I was trying to trick like I said at the beginning I wasn't like going through college like how can I how can I figure a way to like make them think like I'm good at this um but that's how I felt that's how I truly felt like I somehow fooled them Um, and it was interfering with me, not only being able to be proud of myself and to be able to acknowledge my accomplishments, which is a huge thing because like you should, if you do, if you work hard at something, if you develop a skill, like you should be able to feel proud of yourself, um, just for your mental health. So it was interfering with that, but also it's interfering with my life because I was questioning, can I even do what I want to do? Can I even, you know, go to school? Can I get into school? It was literally interfering with my plans that I was making. Mm -hmm. So imposter syndrome really can um, interfere in a very negative way that makes a big impact because like I said, women would be more or less likely to ask for a raise. So this affects a lot. Like it affects socioeconomic status of women. Um, It affects job quality, the quality of life. So there's all these things that affect. So it's not just something that, oh, like you're just a little anxious. It's actually a real thing. And it has, um, I think, some pretty big consequences um, from obviously, like we said, the patriarchy. Yeah, wow. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that story. Um, and like, I I feel like I can relate to that like on, on different levels and things, but um, I just think it's so interesting how 
that works because like you said you have so many awards and you have so many like you legitimately did amazing in school and that your brain would be like oh this is just a technicality I fooled people even though like knowing you and having known you for several years like I you I don't mean this in a bad way, but, like, I don't think you're a good liar. Like, I don't think you could lie if you wanted to. Like, you're just this an honest person. Like, that is completely the opposite of who you are. And yet how your brain on patriarchy could be like, this is, you know, how it is. Yeah. And how that's just the opposite of your true self, but how your brain, again, almost on this, because I, I think patriarchy does sort of act like a drug, you know? It's mm-hmm. one of those things that, you know, is slowly dripped into your system and you build a tolerance to it over time, and not just you, like everybody, to a point where, like, if you had experienced no patriarchy and then all of a sudden those feelings came up for you, you'd be like, oh, what the hell is this, you know? Um, right. But because you're steadily dripped this, your tolerance level for patriarchy and your thoughts, you know, it, it then just becomes like a, a natural thing that your body does. Um, and so it's, to me, it's not a reflection of who you are as a person. It's more of a reflection of how toxic patriarchy is that it could take an extremely accomplished woman who I know you're super smart and make you feel that way and just how problematic that is in society and like you said all the ramifications of that like that could if you had listened to that that could have changed whether you applied for school or not you know for Mm -hmm. next um levels and then that would have affected like your income for the next you know years of your life and again i think it just goes back to how perfectly good talented excellent women can be just have this in their system because I imagine like this isn't something that you were trying to think of like it was something that ingrained and subconscious because of the culture that we live in and how how toxic that is um and how it really does affect lives and so I'm wondering like you know how are you kind of addressing and dealing with that i think it's awesome that you have such a supportive partner and nate because he can remind you of those things but like how how do you cope with with that because you are super intelligent and like none of those things that the patriarchy is telling you is true and you you logically know that right um, but like how are you how are you moving forward so it doesn't kind of control your life Yeah. That's the crazy thing is like, I do, it's like, I do know it, but I don't know it. It's like, I know two things at once basically, or like, I know one thing and I think another thing, like, it's just really, it's very bizarre. Um, but therapy has helped a lot. Mm. Um, specifically talking about self-doubt and imposter syndrome. That's something I've been working on, um, lately is, um, just working through that, going through like meditations where, I kind of go through my life within the meditation and um, kind of grabbing the hand of my inner child and bringing her to to now, to who I am now and showing her the things that I have accomplished. Um, That that was a big thing is um, 
Because everything, start, I mean, a lot of things, not everything, most things I think start in childhood. Yeah, yeah. And so um, there was a lot of like inner child work to be done. And then also just, I, I think in therapy, even talking about like patriarchal expectations and things. So math is not my strong subject. Like I, it's probably my worst subject. I'm not very good. <laughs> not good at math I don't like it either like I'm not into it um but that was something that we discussed in therapy that you know this actually is a patriarchal uh mindset because I was thinking okay I'm not good at math I must Mm -hmm. just mean like I'm not good like I'm not smart like I'm not good at anything because math is a more of a masculine um subject not in the sense that oh men are good at it and men do it it's been dominated even as women have made broken down barriers and things like that and gotten into the workforce and different high um powerful positions or or whatever that's still uh very dominated math science by men right and a lot of times it's viewed as like well girls just aren't as good at math as men are because they have something in their brain that I don't really get but it doesn't make sense right because <laughs> it's like I don't get it because it doesn't make sense yeah. but um so that was something too is like realizing that just because you're not good at this one thing doesn't mean you're not good at all you know yeah. it's not this black and white thing and that it that is a patriarchal mindset to say oh um you know specifically math because like if a if a man is not good at like let's say art or mm-hmm. um something that's more like or english you know mm-hmm. that something's a little more feminine um it's not that he's not smart like we just let him or like maybe he's really good at math but he's not really good at like social interaction right. or um emotional connection that's mm-hmm. fine he's still a genius but if a woman is really good at social mm-hmm. interaction and emotional connection which is so important like it's like right. such a cool thing to be good at that it's like oh she's not really smart she's like emotional but you know when in reality like that's just as valuable that's yeah. just as valuable Maybe being good more so because yeah. you can get doors open if you can make right. quality connections with people whereas not being able to have that skill can be detrimental in the work field yeah right exactly so it just working through that working through um childhood things working through even things like I say childhood but even things in high school and college like working through those feelings and then really understanding the root cause so that I can remind myself that when I have those feelings to say out loud because I'm smart or like oh did you do that yeah how did you do that because I'm smart like and just speaking it kind of like the affirmations we've Mm -hmm. talked about is like you're just kind of speaking it so that you believe it it's already true Mm -hmm. it's already true but you have to convince yourself and you have to kind of overcome these barriers that um your life and the patriarchy and society have kind of built up in your mind yeah that makes so much sense um and I think that's another um marker of your intelligence is that you realize okay imposter syndrome is an issue I'm going to seek a professional to help me and I'm going to overcome this like dumb people don't do that (laughs) (laughs) so even realizing like that it's a problem that's a marker of emotional intelligence and being able to then seek out somebody to support you in that again like that just reconfirms um and 
I want to kind of talk a little bit about some ways to overcome imposter syndrome. And a lot of them are actually some things that you mentioned that you are using. But before I do that, I wanted to bring to mind like some things that came up for me as you were talking. So before I get into more like a, a small personal story, um, I had a situation in a work um, a work environment recently where there was an opportunity for a vote to happen for a particular role. And there was a woman who was honestly overqualified for the role. And then there was a man who was definitely underqualified, um, kind of like just what you were, were saying yeah. about that study. Um, but not only did she hit like 80% markers, like she probably hit like 120%, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah. markers for the role. Um, but she didn't get that position. Um, and I think another piece to imposter syndrome along with patriarchy is not only do you have to battle it within yourself and not only can it be things that you learn from childhood that you have to just like overcome to go ahead and apply for that position, but it can contribute to imposter syndrome when you work up the courage and you work through that on your own. And then it's almost like your fears are confirmed by society mm. that you're not enough, even when that's not the reason you didn't get the role. Like I definitely right. think patriarchy was at play there. And so I don't know how this person is processing it, but I could see how somebody could have like overcome a lot of things around imposter syndrome and been like, oh, this is not true. I should go for this. Um, and like I said, over, over qualified. And then this mediocre white guy gets the position. And so I, I think that's a, another piece to remember that even if you aren't rewarded for taking those steps and those leaps, that doesn't automatically mean it's a reflection of yourself or your qualities. A lot of times that is, again, a reflection of patriarchal society. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times people, whether it's, you know, internal bias or, you know, overtly, they feel more comfortable with a man in the position just because that's what they're subconsciously used to. And so just realizing that even when it doesn't turn out and you don't get those accolades, that it doesn't necessarily mean it's because of you. Right. Um, so that's something that came to my mind. And then when you were talking about not excelling in math, but in other areas, I have had imposter syndrome in a lot of things because I have dyslexia. And so I'm not great with math. I'm a terrible speller. And Charlie, you have stepped in and Nate has stepped in and <laughs> my horrific spelling and grammar errors. Um, but then there's other things that people don't realize this dyslexia affects. So like, I'm not a great driver. Like I've never had a ticket before cause I'm like a super slow driver, but that's because I'm always afraid I'm gonna, you know, forget right or left and make a mistake and hurt somebody. And so mm -hmm. I don't enjoy driving. I'm not good at it. Directions are really challenging for me. And so Will and I had this joke that like, once I get on stage and I'm like talking, like that's my sweet spot and people love it and I get accolades for that. But we have this joke, it's like, hold my hand, help me cross the street, get into the hotel conference room, lead me to the stage and then I'll take over. <laughs> um, but before we kind of had that joke and I kind of had this like um, realization of like, I'm really good in these areas here 
and I'm not good at these other areas, but that doesn't mean anything less about me as a person. Nobody's good at everything. And if they are, they're probably just like a jack of all trades and like it's probably mile wide, inch deep. And if you kind of right. like there's really not that much substance. Um, And so I think part of imposter syndrome is just realizing like no human is good at everything. And when you can identify your weaknesses and just know like that's just not part of my personality and it's not really worth my effort to try to get better at those things because I'm not naturally inclined. Instead, I'm just gonna focus on my strengths because I know I can make those even better. Um, I think that can really help because I, I have felt really bad and like dumb and like I can't do stuff for myself. And you know, even like jobs that I don't think are below me, but I think a lot of times society thinks is, you know, below people like being a waitress, being somebody who's like checking out at, you know, like working behind the counter at a gas station. Mm -hmm. I don't think those are bad jobs, but I also know I could not do those things, not because I'm better than people who do those jobs, but because like the counting of money, you do not want me giving change to you. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's gonna be wrong. Sometimes that'll work in your favor. Yeah, maybe you do. But just realizing like where your strengths and weaknesses are, I think that's maybe a place to help with um, imposter syndrome. And you don't have to be good at it all to be a quality person and an expert in your particular field. Um, so then a couple of couple of other things, you mentioned this, Charlie, like the affirmations. Um, and to really get quality affirmations, and if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. But to create quality affirmations, you really have to understand what your limiting beliefs are so you can choose affirmations that are the opposite of it. And to realize that you have limiting beliefs and when you can kind of get below the surface and realize you've got limiting beliefs, before you even make that opposite affirmation to to start retraining your brain, ask yourself, where did that limiting belief come from? Because more often than not, it didn't originate with you. Somebody mm-hmm. told you that in your childhood, maybe it was your parents, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a friend, maybe it was just stuff you saw in society. But when you can begin to be like, okay, I can pinpoint the first time I remember feeling or thinking this way about myself. And, oh, this isn't even an original thought with me. You can be like, oh, well, that's stupid. Somebody else said that. They don't know me that well. Um, and mm-hmm. then it's easier to release it when you know where it came from and you can discredit the source. Um, and then filling it with positive affirmations. Um, another thing is, I don't know, have you heard the term star seed? No. Okay, so people use it in a lot of different contexts. Some people use it to say that there's like special individuals that have come to this planet to, you know, help elevate the vibration. And I don't really buy that idea of star seeds because I think it's just another way to like categorize people of like these are the elites and these are not. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do like the idea of star seed and the fact that like we all came from stars. Like literally that's how the Big Bang happened. Like there was an explosion involving a star and everything that has come to be in our universe, including ourselves, came from this exploding star. And when you can think about all of the things that had to happen and come to place for you to be here on this planet with the skills that you have, with a personality that you have, like 
think about that from like a science point of view and then think of all the people that had to copulate over you know, the eternity of the of the world like yeah. thousands and thousands and thousands of years for that sperm to hit that egg at that time for you to be born like each person is so unique and special and i don't mean that in like a you know oh everybody should get a trophy kind of way but like literally everybody is unique yeah. and special and your worthiness and i think this goes back to like a worthiness issue it's not about your skills like you can have excellent skills and other people will have excellent skills and there's always going to be somebody better there's always going to be somebody worse but what makes you unique and what makes you not an imposter is that you have your own unique energy and that's mm -hmm. what people are attracted to that's how you can do the job differently than anybody else can on this planet or ever will be able to do and so just like remembering how special you are and everything that had to come into place for you to even be here. So like everybody's a, a walking miracle, honestly. You know? Yeah. Um, and then one last thing that was coming to my mind is this has to do with the patriarchal stuff that you were talking about. Um, but I really think one of the biggest strategies that patriarchy uses right now is the health, wellness, and beauty industry for women. Um, because if you look at a lot of the research, like a lot of the stuff that they're telling us to put on our face, skin, and in our bodies is toxic chemicals. Yeah. Um, a lot of the things in the health and wellness industry is not based in science, but is purported as scientific. A lot mm -hmm. of the diets and those, you know, just different quote-unquote health fads are not scientifically proven to be healthy in the long run or they're tested mainly on men and not on women right and so you have all this toxic stuff to fix you and you simultaneously have a culture that's saying you always need to be fixed and when you have imposter syndrome you're more likely to believe that there's something wrong and that these toxic things are going to fix you and you're putting those toxic things in your body, you're creating more trauma for yourself with all these, you know, starvation diets. Um, I could go on and on about keto, like people's like organs are literally shutting down from you yeah. know, eating keto diets for long term. Um, but what it does is it causes you to focus on your flaws and invest your time, money and energy on ways to quote unquote fix yourself that mm -hmm. then perpetuate the problem so it never ends. And right. then you aren't able to focus on your power. You don't have time to change the world. Like if women didn't have to worry about this shit, we would have taken over the planet. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? So just remember when you feel bad about yourself, it's probably because somebody has an agenda to make you feel bad about yourself because they realize how powerful you are if mm -hmm. you didn't have that holding you back. So that's kind of what I think about the topic. Um, I always think that there's a hidden agenda, whether it's overt or covert. I'm not saying that all people who support diets, but like the people who created the diets and know that they don't actually help women. There are people in power that, that want to keep women down yeah. so they can't, you know, create an equal society, which would be honestly good for everyone. So, And the yeah. people who are profiting off of it, that's where yes. the issue, yes. yeah. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yes. Ugh, yeah. We could talk about so, we could go so many, ways and down so many paths like just with this topic because it is all interconnected with mm -hmm. 
the patriarchy and then just all these things like you're talking about health wellness dieting um all these things and we won't go down it because we'll just be here all day but (laughs) um but yeah i think if anything if you ever feel like this if you're listening and you ever feel like you have a lot of self-doubt that you're not good enough that you're just you know faking it um until you make it you're not alone we've been there we felt that and I think as a, a really another tool we didn't mention is just talking about it with people who've also experienced it. Yes. So talking about it with each other, like I, that, it's just helpful to, to get it out, um, to say it, and then to someone to say, me too, you know, like I, I felt the same way. That is so powerful um, to be able to share stories. And so, you know, bringing up the conversation with maybe some other uh, friends you have, some mm-hmm. um, female friends who you know, you, they've never mentioned it, but they might feel it, you know, they just might have never said it. So that can be really helpful too. It's just sharing a common story, um, a common feeling with someone else. I think that's really powerful. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm. Oh, well, this was a really good conversation. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Yeah. With you. Well, we're going to go and get into our serendipitous stories. Um, I have two this week and the first one is I have, um, it's about food. <laughs> so I love milkshakes and I just think they taste so much better if you buy them somewhere versus making it yourself. Like, Agreed. I am a hundred percent aware I can make it myself, but it's just so much better if you buy it. Like, oh, so the other night we went, um, to the beach just to like see the water and relax. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want a milkshake really bad. I've been wanting milkshake for like seven days in a row. Like when I have a craving, I have the craving and it gets stronger and stronger until I eat it. Yes. So I've been wanting a milkshake for like seven days and then it, it got really, really strong this evening. And I was like, I really do. And, um, I don't know, like if Nate and I had ever gotten a milkshake, um, we're vegan. So it's not like as easy as like, you know, going to McDonald's or something. So I don't know if we'd ever found a milkshake, like from a restaurant before though. Like we've generally had to make them ourselves. And I was just, I really want to buy it. Like, I don't want to make it. And Nate was like, we are not going to find a milkshake we've never have like it's the odds of finding a vegan milkshake specifically <laughs> is just it's just not gonna happen and I was like oh okay fine like let me just google it just to see so I googled vegan milkshakes in our area and our like one of our favorite burger places has vegan milkshakes and I was just like how and we didn't know they apparently they've had them for a while, but they don't advertise it as vegan. It's just like the vanilla milkshake is vegan. And then you can add whatever, you know, toppings you want to it. So we went and got a, but we both got vanilla milkshakes with Oreos. So it was like an Oreos oh, and cream milkshake. Yes. It was so good because Oreos <laughs> are vegan. If you didn't know, yes. now, you know, they are vegan, but it was so good. And it just felt so like, it just made me happy because it was something I wanted. And then it felt like oh, we're not going to get it. Like we've never gotten it. Like the odds of finding a vegan milkshake. Um, and then we found it like one of our familiar favorite places and it was amazing. It was really good. And it definitely was better than if I would have made it myself. <laughs> yeah. So I, there is something about having food made for you. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Tastes so I think much that's better. why the patriarchy put women in the kitchen because they're like, it's better if women make it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm Probably like, so. The milkshake. Oh my god. Yes. And then my other story just happened. So Ashley and I were recording um, our last episode about what we would be in another life. And uh, before we started recording, we were just catching up. And Ashley said, oh, I want to tell you this. Um, so I've been watching octopus videos to go to sleep at night. And I just was like, are you kidding? I was like, this happens all the time. Like, I shouldn't be shocked. I should be like, oh, yeah, like this is going to happen. But I was still like, are you serious? And she was like, what? Like, you just kind of like, because I interrupted you. You're like, what? And I was like, I just became super interested in octopi. And we were talking about, is it octopi, octopus, octopus? <laughs> like, it's octopi. But um, like literally the other night, I watched a documentary called My Octopus Teacher, and I am obsessed now. Like, I was just like, I love octopus. I want to learn everything I can about them. I felt like I really connected with the story about the octopus. And now Ashley is here saying that she's been, <laughs> is this a new thing for you? Like, is yeah. it kind of new? Yeah. I mean, I had seen some octopus videos a while back, um, but it was more like it was just suggested in my YouTube, you know, recommendations, but mm -hmm recently i've just been like having a hard time sleeping and so i'm like what would be relaxing i'm like ooh, octopuses octopi and yeah <laughs> them up and following their little lives because they like have like these lives and it's yeah. i could never eat an octopus again like yeah i used to eat their legs all the time and i'm so sorry for it I'm like oh <laughs> but it's crazy because this is what happens to us all the time this is literally why we made the podcast because it's constantly like one of us will bring something up and it's like are you serious and like something as random as an octopus i mean yeah. that's so random and the funny thing is is that someone recommended this documentary we watched to us like oh my gosh in november okay really? and we did we kept putting it off and we wanted to watch it but we kept putting it off and it wasn't until sunday night um that we watched it and it's like crazy because it's just it's happening around the same time that you've become interested in them and so that's just a feel-good story because it just reminds um it reminds me that we have this happens to us all the time and i just love it i love that we are soul sisters because down to watching octopus videos and being obsessed with octopuses like or octopi octopus is just rolls off the tongue okay know, like does. octopi yeah. feels like a different animal or something yeah it sounds like a pie like a type of pie but <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I love that story it's just it's so much fun um yeah and if you all have stories I know we say this every time but we really do love to hear from you like um, we would love to feature your stories in our serendipitous um, moments of the podcast. And um, if you want to send us a story, you can do it like on our Instagram, which is just serendipity.pod. Send us a DM, audio recording, however you want to do it. You can also send us an email at pod.serendipity at gmail.com. Send us your stories there. Just anything weird and woo and um, feel good. We we love that stuff. Um, and or then, about imposter syndrome. We will yeah. take your stories. If you have tips yeah. um, that uh, we would love to share, any tips or any ways you've, things you've used to overcome those mm -hmm. thoughts um, or even just personal stories. Because like we said, it's really powerful to share stories. So we would love to hear that as well. Definitely, definitely. 
And also we would love if you left us a review, um, you can leave us a five-star review, hopefully. And if you send us a screenshot of that review, we will give you a gift just as a token of our appreciation. Um, so you can also email that to us or DM us on Instagram. Um, so we can give you a gift as a thank you. Yes. And we're going to be back next week as always. And it's going to be a surprise that we talk about. So we'll let you know, mm. but it's going to be good. It's going to be good. You yeah. know us, we love to talk about interesting things and our, I don't know, our topics just seem like all over the place and also yeah. very interconnected. So make sure you right. <laughs> for that. <laughs> but thank you all for tuning in. We, we love these conversations. We love spending time and connecting with you all. So let us know what you think. Take a screenshot of this, share it in your stories and we'll give you a little boost and um, let people know about your account if you share. And yeah, thank you all so much for tuning in. Love you. Bye. Bye.